Hello, everyone. This is Raise Your Voice as part of the D-Rays Bay Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brett Rutherford, and joining me on today's show is Darby Robinson. Darby, this has been an, an up and down, emotional, um, but I mean, ultimately a really fun week of Rays baseball. Uh, and I think we got to start with kind of the story of the week, and that was the, the trade of Willie Adamas to the Milwaukee Brewers. I know Danny and Ian um, gave their instant reaction, but now you and I have kind of both had a few days to to sit and think and, and miss Willie. I know he's already off to a, a good start with Milwaukee, but man, how, how does it feel a few days removed from that Adamas trade? I think it's it's interesting because I'm still, I still feel, it's it, if seeing him in a Brewers uniform the other day with his first game, it's, a really weird feeling because it's like logically your brain is sort of like, yeah, it kind of makes sense. It's like a different shade of blue. There's some yellow in there. It just like, it's a weird, it's like a dream thing. Cause you're like, he was hours ago on the Rays. And now I'm seeing him play with a completely different team and a completely different dugout. Uh, I, it's, so it's, it's hard to like process when your mid season trades, especially when they, they kind of happen that quickly it just, it doesn't really feel real. Like it's it, like, we're still in these like strange fog. Like he was just out for an injury and he's still around, but now he's just like, he just popped in like a guy that looks just like him. Uh, that's wearing 27 instead of one is playing with the brewers. And it's like, wow, that guy looks, he like swings a lot. Like <laughs> Willie Adamas. I wonder when Willie's coming back from the IL. And his, so yeah, that, that was his last play was that where he turned and threw it to second base and, injured himself saving play yeah Yeah. it it ended up being a cramp but yeah i didn't think about that that was his his last play in a Rays uniform um yeah ultimately it's like this one it's like usually when the Rays trade a uh you could we could throw the franchise player like a you know one of the faces of the franchise like twitter melts down oh here go the Rays being the Rays. obviously this one is different because most people more people that are not Rays fans might know more about wander franco and some of the other Rays prospects than they do about Willie Adamas. And so when this trade happened, I think the initial reaction from Rays fans and from a lot of people, it's like it wasn't to be mad at the Rays or it wasn't to be upset or questioning the move. It was for Rays fans. It was it was really sad because Willie's been the guy for a few years now. Uh, but a lot of excitement, I think, about the potential for, for those coming up. And some thought it might have been Wander Franco getting the call. It ends up being Taylor Walls, who's looked really good in his first two games as the Right now, he is the Rays shortstop. He's not platooning with with Joey Wendell. Um, they, I think he's going to play the same amount of time that that Willie was, and Joey can fill in whenever he needs a day off. But for the most part, uh, at this point in time, it's Taylor Wall's job, um, which has been really exciting to see. He's played great. But back back to Willie, it's like, yeah, this was just sad. Is because I was not even, I wasn't worried about the Rays and, and what they were going to do with the shortstop position. I felt bad for Willie. Who is this? Is he's he's been with this organization since he was 18 years old, had his major league debut here, went to the World Series last year, and I think like a lot of race players do, once you get to spring training and especially once the regular season starts, you think you're 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 safe for the whole year, or at least until July. These mid-May trades really catch players off guard, and seeing the videos of him with saying goodbye to his teammates on the field in Dunedin was just it was heartbreaking. It was really really sad. This, this is definitely one of those trades that's more, I, I think you have to almost evaluate it in two, twofold, the on the field player, you know, valuation and the, the, the person. 
uh, every trade has to be evaluated like that. But like William in particular is such a, we've mentioned like the, the heart and soul of the team, but he really is like, he's the guy that's the first out of the, the, the club, the dugout. He's the, the team leader in the dugout. He's the guy that has taken young players under his wing, even though he's like incredibly young uh, himself, but he carries himself with maturity. I, I mentioned this on Twitter, like Willie Adamas is going to be a manager of the year when he retires. Uh, you know, many years from now, because he still still has a lot of good years playing left. Um, but like he is going to be a absolutely amazing manager in this game because he he has great humility. He's really smart and he's just a guy that just exudes positivity, knows how to like treat people with that respect. And yeah, he's it, the, the Willie, the person, Willie Adamas, the person is going to be a huge loss. It's one of the biggest losses in this franchise of just a guy like he Eric Neander mentioned it like this this is one of the best people we've ever had come through this organization and he's one of the best people in the sport like nobody like in the postseason we saw um you know those those clips of basically him in the dugout and this year too like him in the dugout and him and Margot and Randy and now uh, Patino is sort of kind of part of the posse and just hanging out cuddling on the on the dugout like actual spooning it's it's just like he's a guy that i feel and the Rays have a lot of those guys too but like willie was the the like team captain type of guy like the guy that just you you trust you care about you you just know that he's he's got your back and emotionally he's the guy that just is the life of the party so it's a, it's a tough loss as a person because Willie Adams is going to be huge in the miss, but he's also going to be a guy like immediately that first game with the Brewers. Cause that game, it was a day game on Saturday. So before the Rays game, and that was like a must see television for me, I was watching it and yeah, uh, it was like, it was so easy to like, be like, just like, I hope he, I hope he gets a home run every time. I hope he gets a, like an amazing gold glove play. Like it's, Going to the Brewers, I think, is a pretty great landing spot so that for Rays fans, we get to unabashedly just go hog wild cheering for Willie Adamas, you know, the rest of his his career there. So that's going to be nice. And, and I think he's he is now in a situation where, you know, he's still like he's still making league minimum. He hasn't gotten to arbitration yet. But if the Brewers wanted to extend him and keep him and have him be their shortstop, for a long, long time. Like, I think he's in a really great spot to do that. And even if he had stuck this year with the Rays and maybe even into next season, depending on where all these prospects fit into the puzzle, it wasn't going to be a, a, you know, a, a super long-term stay with the Rays. And we all knew that, you know, that, that's inevitable. Um, I think we all wish we had, you know, the rest of this season and maybe part, parts of next year to, to root for Willie in a Rays uniform. But you mentioned the Brewers uniforms. Those look nice too. Those look nice than anybody. They he look really good. nice. On he looks good in those uniforms. Those are some of the best. Those are those are real clean. Uh, the, some of those throwbacks are going to look really good. So yeah. yeah, this is a good landing spot from the fashion side for Willie, who always who always brought his great sock game. Always <laughs> yes, great definitely. socks. I don't know what the Brewers stance socks look like. I need to figure that out. We've got we had. Uh, Kids in the last podcast, and now we've got animals uh, jumping in. Yeah, we have no studios for us. This is just (laughs) Um, let's talk a little bit about the return. Yeah. So as a trade, I think this this work. People always talk about like you know who won the trade or whatnot. I I'm I'm going to start right now before I even talk about the return. This is a win win for both teams. This fit 
a big need for both teams. The Rays had a surplus of one thing. The Brewers had a surplus of one thing. They both needed the other thing. So I think this right off the bat is just a really good trade for both teams. And I, I don't, obviously you can't pick winners and choosers the first day of the trade anyway, but like this is already just from a general value and just looking at it from afar, just feels like a really, really fair, good trade for both teams. So I think great job by both general managers, David Stearns and, and Eric Neander. Um, but yeah, I, the initial reaction, what was your initial reaction to like, okay, Willie Adamas is traded Two relievers is the return. Cause we're going to talk about like with Rays baseball, if you're Rays baseball relievers, starters, pit, that all of these are antiquated terms, but two relievers <laughs> for the Rays starting shortstop is the like snap headline. So I, I was taking graduation pictures. I had my makeup uh, commencement at Florida State for 20, the twenty. I was class of twenty twenty, but obviously couldn't have a ceremony last year. So they had it this uh, this weekend. I was in the middle of taking pictures of my cap and gown uh, when I get an at channel buzz from from D Rays Bay, which is uh, not never really good news. Sometimes it is, but it's always like I get the buzz. I see it's from Slack, and I'm like, some someone was probably traded. One of these days, the at channel is going to be Wander. It's a, yes, exactly. Just, uh, every every day, it's like, <laughs> but but yeah, no. Usually, it's like, oh god. And so I had to stop our little photo shoot. We didn't have like a professional. It was my parents taking pictures. They did a good job, but they're not pros. Um, so I had to stop our little you know photo shoot on Florida State's campus, and uh, you know I saw Willie Adams is traded, and so you know my parents being Rays fans, we all kind of took a moment to to mourn uh, Willie, who we all we all loved. Uh, but my first thought was, well, he's going to the Brewers. I don't really think. One, I, I don't think I want any of their position players, like the realistic ones. Obviously, they're not getting Christian Yelich. Um, and so I was like, okay, let's uh, starters. Well, they don't really, not really in a position to give up any starters. But what about Drew uh, Rasmussen? He was a guy that I'd kept my eye on. He's a high velo guy, a high strikeout guy that, you know, the Rays love to bring these guys in. I hope he's in the return. Lo and behold, five minutes later, Jeff Passan tweets, Rays are getting uh, Drew, uh, Drew Rasmussen and, um, JP Fireisen. I think I nailed that name. It's going to take a little bit. Um, but I'm really excited because there's, without even digging into these guys, and we're going to, when you hear the Rays make a trade, it's you always see the meme like, oh, it's a great trade for the Rays. Who'd they give up and who'd they get? That's especially true with relievers. Like, I know that's a meme and it's a joke, but like, when it's relievers coming in, and the best examples are the Pete Fairbanks trade and the Nick Anderson trade. Um, and and I, that was my first thought here. I was like, what are the, like, I knew what Rasmussen was good at, but I had not known a whole lot about Fire Ryzen. My first thought was like, what is this guy good at? Because I'm sure he's good at something. And it turns out he's got a nasty, nasty changeup. Yeah. So both of these guys, Rasmussen and, and Fire Ryzen, are just spectacular pitchers. Like these have, un in terms of stuff, stuff-wise, these guys have some of the best stuff in baseball. Now the command is going to be the big key. They both walk way too many people so far, but both have a very small major league sample size. So we have to kind of take a big grain of salt with that. Um, but yeah, so with Rasmussen, you got a plus, a plus, plus fastball and a above average to plus slider. And those two pitches are get a lot of whiffs. They have, I'm not going to talk about pitch movement and shape, but because uh, I'm sure we'll put some good articles on Dere's Bay about those, but they have absolutely been eye-popping uh, through the minor leagues for him, 
through just a bit of the majors. So he was another guy that was definitely on my radar. And was, he's been on the Rays radar for a while. They drafted him first round at uh, right. in 2017, I want to say. But then he had some medical issues and he decided to go back to Oregon State and and complete college there. Did get a second Tommy John surgery on his arm. Um, but the Rays have clearly been, they, they saw what that arm can do. And coming back from a second Tommy John surgery is always tough. Pete Fairbanks has proven that you can do it. Um, it's scary. Every arm injury is scary. But at the same time, to see the stuff is still there. Rasmussen's a guy that can touch over 100. Uh, he sits high 90s. That's really, really good. Um, but he's going to be a, the guy that he goes to AAA right away. I think if he is a reliever, if you see Drew Asmussen as a one to two inning guy, and he's been that for Milwaukee in the majors, if you see him as a multi inning uh, or or high relief arm, I think you can potentially put him right into the bullpen right now. It's a pretty tight bullpen, so maybe not, but I think that's where you put him right there. The fact that he's going to Durham, I think means the Rays are still going to do some tinkering and they might see him as something a little bit more, maybe it's hard to say, like, is he going to be back to a starter? He was working as a starter as early as, or as recent as two years ago in the minors, or is he going to be like a Colin McHugh, like three inning, like Jalen Beeks, like multi inning, but not like opener. There's so many, it's the so Brett hard. Honeywell like, I feel like this open, year. Yeah. It's, it's so hard to say. Cause it's like the starter and reliever doesn't really fit the whole multitude yeah. of arms like roles that the Rays have. But I think there might be a multi-inning role for Rasmussen. Uh, Fire Ryzen has actually been performing even better than him. And he actually, oddly enough, even though Fire Ryzen is pretty much a one to two inning guy, he has done some multi-inning stuff, but he's a short inning. He's in your Diego Castillo, Pete Fairbanks, Nick Anderson, absolute back of the rotation stud arm type. He actually has three like plus pitches or at least can flash plus. One of them, that changeup you mentioned, I love a reliever that has one unbelievable weapon, like a super, like a Chazro slider, that like 80 grade uh, pitch. And JP Fireisen's changeup is that pitch. His fastball's good. Uh, it has some ridiculous movement on it. Uh, the last two games against the the, and we'll talk about that. They he just went right into the fire uh right away like they were like you're, you're here guess what you're into high leverage against the blue jays um but like he the two at bats that he got against Bo bichette were unbelievably overmatched like Bo was so overmatched on the movement on those high fastballs that he just kept pumping them and Bo had no chance on them it was beautiful beautiful stuff his slider uh, has flash plus as well like that's pretty good but that change up the numbers on it, he uses it the third. He's he's bumped up the usage a little bit. I think that could be a pitch that the Rays decide to just keep bumping up. When you when they get a guy, they usually tend to just say like, "Hey, we like what you do. Let's see your stuff," and then they'll tinker from there. I remember when uh, Nick Anderson got traded to to the Rays. They a series or two after that, they were in Seattle, and I got to to cover those games. And I talked to Nick, and it basically said like. What has Snyder told you? What is cash? Like, what have they done any tinker? And he said like, oh, no, they just said like, we like you go do your thing and don't change anything right now. And 
I think what they like to do is just sort of say like, Hey, we like your stuff. Everything's good. Go pitch your, your game and we'll see it nice and up close. And then maybe we can have some suggestions that says, we don't want to change who you are. We want you to do you because you are good, but maybe you don't know exactly what you do the best. Like maybe that change up is something that clearly gets results. Maybe you should use it a little bit more. Um, but looking at it, he has a 36% strikeout rate on his changeup this year. That is one of the best pitches, single pitches in strikeout rate of anything in all of baseball. He's getting a crazy whiff. He's in the top five of whiff rate in general. It's an amazing elite. It's like a double elite pitch. And he's still using it as third most. We only saw it maybe flash a couple of times against the Blue Jays. That's going to be the pitch to watch as like a potential. I mean, Devin Williams made a made a his whole season, a rookie of the year season, off of one of the sickest changeups in the game. He throws it almost 60% of the time. I could see Fire Ryzen beating that changeup in usage and an absolute value. So that's going to be something to really watch. And I love a good pitch. And JP's got a absolutely sexy pitch there. Uh, in my opinion right now, and we kind of saw it on display these last two games, Fire Eisen immediately goes into that A bullpen group. Uh, r- right now, the way the roster is currently constructed, you had um, guys like Ryan Thompson and Jeffrey Springs, and don't get me wrong, they'll still get plenty of high leverage innings. They were, I think, f- probably forced into more of those high leverage situations than the Rays were comfortable with, and they performed really well. Um, they've been really good relievers this year. But to then now have Castillo and Fairbanks back on the roster at the same time, we've still got Nick Anderson hopefully rejoining sometime in the next couple months. And Andrew Kitcher just still around too. But to bring in Fire Eisen and have him be in that group with Castillo and Fairbanks and Kittredge um, really, I think, solidifies kind of, okay, we have an A bullpen and we have a a B bullpen now with the guys like uh, McHugh and, and, and Springs and Thompson with guys that are still coming back like, Nick Anderson's still coming back. Oliver Drake and Chaz Rowe are progressing. We really don't know what's going on with Cody Reed. He was put on the 60-day IL. Um, but with with Rasmussen, I think the Rays, like you said, they, they're not really sure what they want him to be or they're not really sure what he's capable of yet. I would like to see him maybe in an opener role. Like I mentioned Brent Honeywell, the maybe two innings to open a game before you go to a guy like Fleming. I think that's a role. If, if he can do the two innings, he can do it consistently. That could be a a spot where he's most valuable. But right now to bring in two guys that throughout the course of this season are going to pitch meaningful innings out of the bullpen and then be able to replace Willie Adamas with with Taylor Walls, who by I'm not going to draw any conclusions on Taylor Walls, the player based on two games, but looks to be major league ready. We've heard so much about Taylor Walls defense. He looked comfortable in the infield. He got several hits over these last two days. The Rays, from uh, an on-field perspective, I don't think, and this is definitely like not a disrespect to Willie Adamas, uh, they don't, I, I think they can say like we might have gotten better because we patched up the holes in the bullpen that may or may not have existed. Uh, and you still got you got walls up now. Bruhan is still crushing whatever baseball they're using in AAA. And obviously, Wander Franco. And I, I, I think ultimately... In terms of trying to repeat as American League champions, this is a really solid like early season trade. And so this is the reason you do this trade is you love these two 
pitchers a lot. Like, because the, the, the idea is that you don't need to trade Willie at any point. Like you, you are comfortable with him. He's still cheap. He's still under tons of team control. He's, the Rays are not eager to move him. And so I think you have to look at this trade as not something that they're like, it's an odd timing. Sure. Like May, it's not exactly when you think like, oh, this is a needed, like this is an odd timing for sure. Right. I did not expect this trade for, of Willie Adams right now, but you have to look at what the Rays have been doing since last offseason. I'm sure is checking in on value. They always do this. They know what their players are valued around the league. They know how much they cost, how much people would trade for them. They don't necessarily actively shop guys, but with Willie Adamas, you kind of see with three potential, uh, like high, like extremely good shortstop prospects in AAA ready to come up. He is a guy that you can move to try to shore up other parts of your team. And so they have been checking in on his value. So this trade now, it has to suggest that these two pitchers are the type of special pitcher that fit that value that they want. And that the rest of the value, the rest of the offers out there are not as good as what this is. And I think that's a key that I see a lot of times is like, this was the best they could get for this. This is, you know, they should have waited and gotten more value. The Rays clearly at this point, we have to realize that they have do their due diligence with every trade. Like they know what it costs and who they're going to get for this person. So it's not like this is a, a trade where, you know, the angels were just like a second away from maybe moving Mike Trout for Willie, but they were like, Oh, they already traded him. Okay. Well, I guess we'll, I guess we'll hang up the phone now. <laughs> uh, it's it, like, we clearly, they know what the value is and that just should give you even more confidence into how good Drew Rasmussen and JP fire are. I mean, think, think about the straight, they got JP fire and immediately his first day, his first day with the team on Saturday, Gets his, gets his uniform freshly pressed. And then immediately they call him in to pitch in the sixth inning, relieving Shane McClanahan, first reliever in after the Rays have just tied it up in a close game. And he gets Bo Bichette, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Teoscar Hernandez, three of the Blue Jays' best right-handed bats. And he's able to strike out Bo Bichette. He, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. gets a great, earns a great walk doesn't chase any of these very close pitches on the side and then gets Teoscar Hernandez to ground to the double play. Then the next day he gets a back-to-back and gets a save opportunity in the ninth. So they immediately are using him and said like, you are going to be a big, big help. But overall you don't do this trade if you don't love those pieces. And you also don't do this trade if you don't love the replacement. So let's talk about the, because that's the other part of the move is you trade your starting shortstop who replaces them. And that the corresponding move was like immediately announced as Taylor Walls. Your, your alma mater zone. Did you ever think it was going to be Wander? No, I, I didn't. I did hear uh, Topkin on MLB network saying how he didn't think so either. But then when the trade happened, he had like immediate, like maybe, but I I think we all had that. Maybe it is. Yeah. It would be a flashy move. For sure. But I think the Rays, the 40-man roster spot is important. Taylor Walls on the 40-man, Wander isn't. But overall, the development of Wander is the biggest key. And he's never played above single-A ball. All of last year, organized baseball for the minor leagues was shut down. So the alternate site, he got to get reps in, but that's not real 
games. So there is a level of, Wander's almost certainly ready, but at the same time, you don't want to risk the most hyped, most attentioned prospect to fail. So you give him every opportunity to. But the other thing is Taylor Walls has earned a call up. He is destroying Durham, or he was, so long Durham. He is no longer there. He is up because he was destroying the baseball in Durham and he is one of the best defensive shortstop prospects in the game. He is the best defensive player in the Rays system is what the, the Rays have anointed him two years in a row, basically. So they think that Taylor Walls will be as least equal to, if not better than Willie Adamas defensively. And then we'll see about the offense. You know, rookies coming in are always a big thing, but they think that the defensive transition will be a smooth one. And, and when the dust settles, when all of these guys come up, Bruhan and Franco, and I'm sure more trades will be made, I legitimately could see Taylor Walls being the Rage starting shortstop for multiple years. Wander could end up at third or second, or really those are the two options for him. But Bruhan has a number of other options. You could see him out in the outfield. Um, Walls, and Wander's got great defense too at short. Um, but Walls could could end up being that guy and sticking around and not, you know, or he could slide over to second. Or like he is a guy that's not just here to then ultimately be replaced by Wander. Like he is here to stay. I think, um, you know, maybe he spends some time down in AAA later this season. But I think for now and probably the rest of this season, he's he's the starting shortstop. Well, this is the int- this like this counter move is exciting because it's not. And no, no offense to like a Kevin Padlow or a Mike Rousseau, but they are, they are role players. They are on this team, at least, you know, they, they could be absolutely starting. They'd be great prospect, like top tier, top 10 prospects on most teams in the league. But like in this team, they are role players, very good role players. Taylor Walls is a top 10 prospect in this organization, the very best organization in baseball. So the very top farm system in all of baseball, he is the seventh best prospect, according to Baseball America. So that sort of shows that this guy is really, really good, really well thought of. This is not a, a, a like this is a, a really big deal call up. And I do feel bad that Wander kind of overshadows everything. I feel like when Bru- Bruhan is probably going to be the next big call up. Yeah. And people are going to go like, oh, it's not Wander. But like Vidal Burhan would be every team salivating like top tier. He would be the Jared Kelnick of any other like franchise. It just so happens that the Rays have Wander Franco, who uh, the shadow is obviously going to happen. And I don't think that's anything, you know, that's no nobody's problem. But it's still kind of a bummer that like people are anybody that's upset about like Taylor Walls getting this call up. I don't think really fully understands who Taylor Walls is. And that's fine. Nobody really pays attention to you know, anybody besides a number one prospect for every other team. Taylor Walls is really, really good. This is a legit prospect. This would be a absolutely hyped prospect. And it should be. Like, Rays fan, this is a hyped call-up. This is a guy that could be the starting shortstop for the Tampa Bay Rays for the next five years. I, I think the Rays were, from from what we saw in spring training and from what I think it was kind of said about Walls. I think the Rays would have been comfortable if he was their opening day shortstop. I, I think yes. he was that ready, that big league ready. And so, yeah, you know, I don't think in some way, I think I'm glad that it was Walls that got the call up because he's not as well known. So it kind of let like Rays fans, we could we can mourn the trade of Willie Adamas 
uh, while Walls was making his debut. Because if, if it was Wander, like that would have been the, the headline. It would, we would have forgotten about Willie Adamas like, immediately. The headline would the headline raise trade somebody. Raise, called raise open spot for Wander. That's like it's like, and that will probably happen later this season that, with somebody else. Sure, <laughs> so, sure. I, I do think that this move overall, because Willie is is such a big, it is a big loss, both personality wise and on the field. If you don't make a big corresponding call up of Walls or Wander or Bruhan, I think that would have been a, I think it would have been tough. I I would have been a tough to swallow if it would have been a Kevin Pavlo's back and we're going to use Wendell at shortstop, because that's like yeah, yeah, that's yeah. You make the trade of Willie because you're like you like the two relievers you get back, the two pitchers you get back plus walls. What that's the equation is you have to say that the other person that's being called up because it, that's the roster space is a very valuable resource, but that removing of one player adds another. And so you, you have to factor that into the equation. So it's fire Ryzen and Rasmussen for end walls for Willie Adamas and Trevor Richards. That's the full equation because you can only fit so many people on there. Uh, and really quickly, wow, this could end up being a long podcast. A lot has happened in Rays baseball this year or this week. It feels like a year. Um, the Willie was 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 traded for was acquired back in in 2014 in the David Price trade. He was 18 years old. A couple other players that were involved in that trade: Drew Smiley. Uh, was it? Was it Ryan Franklin? Am I getting that name right? Was he the utility infielder that was Nick brought Franklin. over? Nick Franklin. Nick Franklin. Right. Ryan Franklin, Franklin was a pitcher for the uh, Mariners, though. So you, yeah, you had that's, a. That's where I was going. Um, always, but, but yeah, Nick Franklin. I, I put this out on Twitter. Um, Willie Adamas was one of the last players that was either signed or acquired during the. That was left from the Andrew Friedman GM era. Um, the other players that are out there, I put this on Twitter and a lot of people guessed, and most people, you know, guessed correctly. Kevin Kiermaier, the other one, drafted in 2010. Um, there was one other player on the active roster. Uh, Diego Castillo was signed as an amateur free agent in March of 2014. And then on the IL, you have Yanni Torinos, who was signed in 2012. And technically, Chris Archer, who was back with the team, although this time around was signed, obviously, when Eric Neander was the GM. Uh, th- I, I don't know. It's it's like we are seeing the remnants of that Andrew Friedman era, but it's also like really weird to think about because that seems like we've already passed that that era of Rays baseball. But Willie was kind of one of the last the last pieces, and there's still some players hanging around when we had the the weird Silverman years uh, where he was kind of running the show before Neander was anointed the official you know general manager. Um, but yeah, that's just a. a I think it's sad. It's like we're we're losing all these players from the past. Uh, we don't really think of many Rays as being long tenured Rays, but still some kicking around. Kiermaier's still here for for now, um, and yeah, I don't know. That was just an interesting thought I had this weekend after the trade. I, I think it's just it's it is a unlike the Blake Snell trade, which came as sort of a shock. The Willie Adamas one, I think we were sort of all preparing for. Um, not rooting for, but just kind of preparing for. Um, it still hurts to have it happen, but it also, you you can really understand the reasoning behind it. 
even though it's a, it's a, it's a tough thing. It's like leave, it's like leaving home or you know for college or like any kind of changes like that. It's it there's bittersweet sad even if it's a, a good change or even an important change. It's, I think it's good for Willie. I, 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 I think ultimately it'll be a better move for him. Overall, that's the most important thing too. Is that I, I think Adamus will be he found a good landing spot, and I think the Rays. Ray's got a good deal. The Brewers got a good deal. And I think they're going to be very happy. I think Brewers fans are going to be very happy with Willie Adamas in shortstop. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, we're going to, we're going to take a quick break and then uh, we'll have like some more fun stuff to talk about because the Rays have been playing some really great baseball and we're back on raise your voice. Uh, we talked a lot about Willie Adamas. Go back and listen to the instant reaction. If you want more talk of that, of that trade, uh, but in the middle of all this, the Rays are, playing some historically good baseball, the second longest win streak in franchise history. They've strung together 10 in a row. They've averaged 8.1 runs a game over that stretch, um, which Darby, I don't know. How did that happen? I did, Three weeks ago, it was like the offense was the worst in baseball. Now they're red hot and the Rays are in first place. Yeah, what a what a change of uh, of like a little <laughs> what what a change like a week makes, right? Of going <laughs> from completely completely uh, like will the Rays hit? What's wrong with the offense? I saw people online like trying to be like uh, you know should should um, uh, they fire the hitting coach, which is always the like what are you doing? You don't like, know what the hitting coach does. I have no clue <laughs> what the hitting coach does. I'm, it's I like, well, is the hitting is the hitting coach out there being like, yeah, you should strike out <laughs> and be like, oh, why we got to get rid of that guy? Why did we just tell everybody to strike out? Um, yeah, no, obviously, like, and then it was it was kind of great because like after you get the quotes of Chad Matola saying like, we're gonna be fine, like the 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 answer is yeah, I I calm down. Then immediately they go on a tear and like score a bunch of runs, and it's like yeah, look, looks like that, looks like he's kept his calm, everything's good. Um, yeah, the, and, and what's great too, is that this didn't like proceed, like a oh, wander got called up and it like fixed everything. It was literally just, oh, Hey, all the good bats, they're now getting hits. That's the, that's the, the, the solve for a bad offense is all the players that you have that are good, that hadn't been running hot now got hot at the same time. And voila. And they're still leaving a lot of guys on base. They're still leaving a lot of guys on base. They're still not hitting a ton with runners in scoring position, but all of those chances keep adding up and they're getting enough chances. And so like you only, you can go like two for eight with runners in scoring position, but like one of them is a home run and the other is a bases clearing double. And suddenly whoop, there's all your runs. Yeah. I, I kind of adopted this, this school of thought. It's like, okay, your bats are either hot or they're cold and your pitching either sucks or it doesn't. Like pitching doesn't really go through these kind of streaky moments where the offense will do that through multiple times throughout the course of a 162-game season. I talked about it on the Yoshi Instant Reaction podcast. Last year, like we just didn't have to experience that. Like it was a 60-game season. Most teams didn't have these long stretches of, of being really good and really bad and going back and forth. It's like the Rays had that five-game losing streak in Baltimore and Atlanta, and after that, they were the best, like, the best team in the American League. And we, we didn't really have these, like, there, there's going to be more bad stretches. They'll probably lose five in a row at some point. The bullpen, even how stacked they are, are going to blow some games. The offense is going to get no hit probably this season at some point. Like, like, these things are going to happen over the course of this season. 
Uh, but right now to see them get this hot and to win 10 in a row, like that is nothing to sneeze at because, hey, the wins in April and May count the same as they do in August and September. And they're in first. They have the best record in the American League right now, tied with the Boston Red Sox, 29 and 19, a 604 winning percentage. And yeah, it's just like a matter of, you know, you, if you guys are going to run hot and cold and you want, you know, five of your nine hitters in the lineup to be hot and, and four or less to be cold. That's how you win games. That's how you put together games. And the pit, the pitching has been great too. And uh, yeah, I just, I think it's, it's really exciting right now. So we have to enjoy it while it lasts because there's going to be a losing streak maybe this week. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, that's a, you, you look at each, it's, it's where with 162, we have to be retrained to just like, be a little bit more relaxed on the whole because because like a 10 game winning streak in a six game season that's what six of the all the games now like basically <laughs> the expanded playoffs you basically if you had a 10 game winning streak you you've clinched the playoffs done yeah. you won you, you're in the playoffs uh you can just play like you know 300 ball after that and you still get into the postseason it's 162 games it's gonna and it's not expanded playoffs so you're it's gonna be a long haul the rays have not clinched the division yet they have not clinched the postseason yet. And when they lose, they also have not clinched the number one seed yet. <laughs> like this, this is a, so today is like a kind of like a good example. Today was game three against the Blue Jays. They welcomed the return of Michael Waka, and then Josh Fleming did the bulk of the innings. Both pitched pretty well. Waka was really good. Uh, and then Fleming, very tough lineup to go against. The Blue Jays are extremely right-handed heavy, tons of power bats. Oscar Hernandez uh, really abused <laughs> Josh Fleming today, um, but he does that to left-handed pitching a lot. He's really good. And Fleming did really well. He came back out for the eighth, which is a kind of a tough call because like he would definitely, they, they were definitely getting a little, little greedy there, but like you winning streaks are really tough on the bullpen. They, you have to basically winning streaks mean you are in games that you're leading and you have to close a lead in the ninth. So some of those games were blowouts and they were a little bit more relaxed, but you still have to basically finish off games. And that's tough. That means you have to use like good relievers. You can't just throw like scrubs out there. Sometimes a blowout loss can be like really good at resetting your lineup because you can just be like, all right, we're just going to have a pitcher. It doesn't matter the results. So today you use Fleming an extra inning, almost as if you're trying to just, you're, you're down by like five and you're just like, yeah, let's get an extra inning of work. And doesn't matter. Basically, that eighth inning, it you want to keep in it. You want to stay in the game. And Fleming's still pretty good. It's just you don't care so much about the results of what happens. He gives up a two-run home run. Eh, it happens. That inning was more important, especially because it's tied. You don't want to go into extra innings again. Um, but then again, the Rays have been relentless. This series against the Blue Jays, they have come. They have not led and had to come back in each game. Uh, some of them like game two was they were down one in the first and then they came back and it was more of like a close pitchers duel the whole way throughout but in the game one and game three of this series they had to come from behind and they had to come from behind to tie it or come from behind in the ninth and this is a team that we questioned you know early on there was a lot of not we a lot of people questioned like does this team have the fight to be able to come from behind? They oh, they give up like two runs. They're down two early. Game's over. Uh, that is not the case. I think this team has proven that they can come from behind and win games that they probably shouldn't. 
And that means that they're going to be in some games. They're going to lose some of those too, obviously, but they're going to be in those games. And it's going to make the other team have to beat them rather than just folding up shop. And, you know, today Chatwood helped the Rays beat the Blue Jays. <laughs> yeah. That's the, let's talk a little bit about that because. Uh, the Blue Jays took a four to two lead on a wow. I'm forgetting who hit it. Was it Randall Grichuk? It was Grand Randall Grichuk, who has okay. been a pretty certified Rays killer over his yeah. career. He's been very good. So the the Blue Jays take a four to two lead in the bottom of the eighth, playing in their uh, home sta- temporary home stadium that's 20 minutes away from Tropicana Field. Uh, and I was like, okay, well, winning streak's over. But they go into the ninth. Tyler Chatwood comes in for the save and. Really just didn't have his stuff. Couldn't locate his pitches. Vintage Chicago Cubs, Tyler Chapman. 100%. Couldn't locate his stuff. And when he did, when his fastball did find the strike zone, it it was just like so easy to hit. Everybody was getting hits, getting on base. And gets the two outs. The bases are loaded. The tying run is on third base. This is after he's walked multiple guys, given up hits. And it's Austin Meadows coming up to the plate, righty lefty matchup. Austin Meadows, one of the one of the best hitters in the Rays lineup. I know he hasn't been super consistent this year, but still a threat. And so Charlie Montoyo comes and he makes the change. He brings in Daniel Bergen or Bergen, uh, a, a lefty, to face Meadows and try to get the final out. And Chatwood is just uh, verbally, like audibly, uh, losing it on Charlie Montoyo as he walks to the mound, and it's like. Buddy, you're not a starting pitcher. Like, there's no time to get settled in here. You have not pitched well, and the tying run is at third base. Like, you're actively losing the game for the Blue Jays now. Like, that was maybe even a batter or two too late to pull Tyler Chatwood. Oh yeah, I mean, so Chatwood's he he gave up the run. He loaded the bases. His command was terrible, and like the outs he gave up were not like he wasn't like blowing things by. Taylor Walls hit a pretty sharp grounder yeah that could have been a game tying bases clearing triple but vladimir guerrero jr it kind of went right to the glove vladdy did a pretty good pick and was able to get one out on that so that was the credit to credit to vladdy because he has looked a lot more a fleet of foot this season than he did last year like and he made another nice play earlier in the game like he has looked pretty nimble and pretty capable of playing first base yeah it was it was a really tough play like that's that's a not a lot of time, really good instincts, but he, he scooped it and made the right play, got a lead runner and, you know, got the one out. So that was a big play. Again, Taylor Walls, great bit of contact. That's all you can do. You can, you see the ball, you hit the ball as hard as you can and you hope it doesn't find a glove. It did all good. Um, but that was it out. And then Randy Rosarena who hit a ball that was pretty sharply hit, but a little too hard, got to right field. That those aren't dominant outs. Those aren't exactly. like let's. He's fine. He's got it. He's got it. No, those are like oof, we. He just Randy just missed the barrel that would have lost in the game, and t- he just got lucky in placement that Walls didn't get it past Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Though he was dancing on a landmine, and it didn't work out for Bergen <laughs> at all. He came in and. His fastball command was really, really rough. Like he started off like really high, two two fastballs way high to, to Meadows. But Meadows has to get a ton of credit. That was one of the most impressive at-bats against a, a lefty who was kind of effectively wild in that at-bat. It was not effective at all after that. But like he was 
really throw in uh, kind of all over, which can be really tough for a batter because you don't know when to swing because the pitcher doesn't know where his balls are going. So you don't, yeah. you don't, you're like, okay, he's probably going to try to hit it away, but it's going to be in the zone here. The pitcher doesn't know if he can do that. So you don't know if it's going to be a ball like 10 feet outside or dead center. So you have to really defend against everything. Uh, but Meadows spoiled a bunch of good pitches that were pretty close that could have been called either way and worked the, that game tying walk. In that same moment, too, Taylor Walls was at third, uh, really trying to get in Bergen's head, uh, taking a really big lead. There was a the shift on, so he pretty much had all of third base to himself, and he was fake running down the line, hopping, just in that, in that eye line, giving Bergen something else to think about, which is a pretty fun play. I don't know if it affected him. But it definitely was another thing. And he stepped off the mound a couple of times. Yeah, I think it did affect him. I, I think it did. And I was waiting to see if, I don't remember who was playing third base at the time for, for Toronto, if the third baseman had tried to run back for when Bergen stepped off the mound. I'm pretty sure if Bergen would have committed to throwing towards third base and Walls was halfway down the baseline, he might have taken off and tried to steal home. That would have been electric mm-hmm. in, his, in his first weekend. Um, <laughs> he didn't have to. He scored the tying run anyways after he walked Meadows. Um, but I think it, from to see that from a rookie in a second game, uh, that 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 comfortability to do those types of things at, at the big league level when you're the tying run in the ninth inning and you're trying to preserve what was a nine game winning streak is now a ten game winning streak was really fun to see. Like Taylor Walls, you saw it in his in his first hit, his double off the uh, the the wall in right center field. He gets to second base. And he celebrates. He looks back at the dugout. He pumps his fist. Like a lot of rookies, they get their first hit. They don't really know what to do. They're, you know, they're trying to play it cool like they've been there before. Walls was pumped up, and he he's really seemed to jump right into the mix here with this with this active roster. And I think that's part of the reason. I think that we're you know, we've not we haven't moved on from the Willie trade, but we're like, okay, things are fine. We're fine. Well, it's, so he has seven balls in play so far, Taylor Walls. He's put seven balls in play. Five of them have gone for 95 miles per hour exit velocity or, or, or greater. Yeah. Uh, he's hitting the ball really hard. Some of those have been outs, but like, like I said, you just hit the ball hard, get a hard hit. And hopefully that contact leads to, to hits. He's already gotten a few doubles. He's, he's gotten on base. He's also showed off that, that pretty good uh, plate discipline. Um, he's not an easy out. He will, he will draw some walks as he's done in the minor leagues. And so far he's looked pretty good. So yeah, he's really looked not like a rookie so far. He's definitely come up. He's hit the ball well. He saw the ball well. And he's definitely just carrying himself like a guy that's just like here, not happy to be here so far, but very much like ready to like compete. Like he was, yeah, he wanted exactly. to win today. Like this yeah. was a, like, he was ready to win yesterday. He was ready to win today. And those antics on third are not, you know, the not don't make a mistake antics. Those were the, maybe I'm going to draw a balk. Maybe I'm going to mess with his timing. And like you said, you know, maybe he's going to try to throw to third and, and he already got one of those in the series where mm-hmm. he, he taken third bad throw, got him home. And that's something the race have really liked is maybe sometimes putting the pressure on and making the defense make errors. And yeah. we saw that in this, this season already is like, sometimes, you know, especially with Margot, you, you may, you do a little bit extra and say, Oh, if you throw it, maybe that throw to third is tough. Like you can, a lot of moving parts, you throw that away. That's a run. And, and so walls was doing some stuff there that were, 
that, that was stuff that you would expect from like a Manuel Margot who's been around for a long time and is a really talented base runner and knows how to kind of mess with pitchers uh, to see a rookie come up. And, and, you know, he's had a lot of time in the, in college. So like, he's not like, he's not, he's not a baby out there. Yeah. He's 24. He's, he's seen a lot of high level baseball, but that was, that was impressive. That was impressive. And that's another interesting aspect of like all these guys that are coming up and the guys the Rays have tried to acquire. We talked about Manuel Margot trying to steal home in the World Series. That's been, it seems like some of, some, somewhat of a concerted effort from the front office to bring in these guys with 70 and 80 grade speed. Walls is up. Bruhan's going to be coming up. Greg Jones, Xavier Edwards. These are guys further down in the farm system that they're going to use their speed in the field and they're going to use it on the base paths and it's going to help the Rays win a lot of games. Um, C walls be kind of the first of those guys come up was exciting. And and like I said, I hope he sticks Um, Darby before we wrap up today, 10 game winning streak. There's one game left against Toronto in Dunedin uh, as part of this wraparound series. Uh, How long do you think the Rays can keep this going for? Hopefully three more. (laughs) That would be the record. The The record record is 12. The record is twelve from two thousand and four with uh with the sweet. <laughs> Not have guessed that before this um, before I had heard, like it's so weird. It's so weird. <laughs> yeah, two thousand and four. Great, great year for the Devil Rays. What are they? Sixty eight wins that year. I, I didn't even. Man, check that's them crazy many, to to win a lot. twelve in a row and only win sixty like that. I'm gonna actually look that up too. while I'm I'm doing this, but um yeah so. If they can win three more, they get the team record. Um, they're playing good. Like the, this is this was a game that you, they stole straight up. Like this was a game that they played well. It was a close game, um, but it's a type of game that you can lose because you're playing for 162 and not for just today. So you you shouldn't play for just today. You should never play for just today. Um, but that's this is a game that you can lose because of that because you kind of try to save the bullpen. They've been overused. They not overused, yeah. but they've been they've had to be used a lot. Like you know, you have to win games. You have to use your best pitchers. It's it's just the nature of, of baseball. Um, and so yeah, it's 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 a nice to seal a win here. Sweeping any team is tough. Sweeping a good team is really really tough. Sweeping a four game set is really 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 tough on the road. So I'm not expecting to win quote unquote on the road <laughs> on, on, yeah, on, on the, on, on the turnpike, just up the road. Uh, it's, it's one of those things where like, I, I, I don't know what to expect or when the winning streak will end, but I think the Rays are, are putting out a good product. They're playing really good baseball in every phase of the game and they're going to make it tough. So if the blue Jays come out and they're flat, the Rays will win. But if the Blue Jays come out and play really good baseball, because th- again, this was a big challenge series coming in. So to be sitting here with a chance to sweep four games when a lot of people would have been pretty happy with a, a hard fought split, that's impressive. So the Rays are playing with house money, but yeah, let's 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 push back the 2004 at 70 win total. So they won. <laughs> They won 10 of their 70 win or 12 of their 70 wins in a row. But yeah, so let's push the 2004 Rays, Devil Rays out of the, the history books here. A couple of notes from that uh, winning streak. It started with a win of a four to three walk-off win against the San Francisco Giants who had Barry Bonds, uh, if, if you've ever heard of that guy. Uh, in that season, he 
was walked 232 times, hit 45 home runs, and had an OPS of 1422. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> was put put together his fourth consecutive um, MVP season. That's who they won their first game of that game two of that series. Doug Wechter couldn't beat in the in, in the first game of that series. Uh, they rattled off um, 12 in a row. Then they lost on a walk off to the Blue Jays, uh, two to one in 10 innings. And then after that, they won three straight. They beat the Blue Jays the next night, 19 to 13. Oh my God. <laughs> to be at that game. <laughs> I can only imagine. Um, but yeah, they had three walk-offs. And so kind of like, like with the win streak now, just some late game heroics, um, not from just one person in particular, but from the whole team. So yeah, I, I think I'd really like to see it. I think you're going to need a lot out of Yarbrough for this wraparound game that may or may not have already happened by the time you're listening to this. If you get to Wednesday and the streak's still alive, you have Glass now on the mound with a chance to to break the record. I, I don't know. It's going to be exciting. And it's it's one of those things that I think the team can, in this moment, this week, can kind of bond around trying to break that record. And you need these things that are fun and that add uh, more excitement and, and put you know more stakes on these regular season games, especially as we head into the, the quote-unquote dog days of summer. Um, which will plague our team just like it plagues everyone else. And there will be a losing streak in here, just like there's been this winning streak. Hopefully not this long. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting. And, and the Rays are in first place right now, and everything will even out in the end. So I think we just got to enjoy this while it lasts. This is a, it's a, it's a, this is an interesting transition time, but this is still exciting, right? We have the yeah, winning streak. Definitely. Taylor Walls is here. We wish Willie Adamas the best, but we got to give some big celebration to Taylor Walls because this is an exciting young player that uh, that deserves a lot of love and has already started pretty pretty strong and uh, <laughs> and uh, so let's let's keep it up. All right, that is going to do it for this week's episode of Raise Your Voice. Thank you to Darby for hopping on, and thank you to everyone listening. As always, make sure to head on over to draisebay.com to check out all of the great coverage. I'm sure there's going to be great pieces on JP Fire Rising and Drew Rasmussen. If you haven't checked it out, go and listen to the instant reaction that uh, Danny and Ian did after the Adamas trade while they were uh, pulling double duty as dads. Their kids are you know, all, just as excited about the trade as they were in the background, um, but uh, <laughs> still go check that out. Great episode, uh, great insight from, from Ian as always. Um, and yeah, once again, thank you guys for listening and I'll talk to you next week. <laughs>